Welcome back to the shed. It's still a nice, warm, some, some, summer, summer day. Welcome back to the shed. <laughs> Welcome back to the shed. It's still a nice, warm, summer day. I still have only moderate control of my ability to speak clearly. We still have Nancy of New West in here with us, so we're still having a whole pile of fun. So stick with us, because we got about another hour of it coming right now. Here we go. KJ, you got model airplanes on our list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, I, I've never felt uh, competent enough to do it. I think that's the whole idea, is that, you know, somebody buys you the thing for Christmas when you're nine. And I th- I'm pretty sure that my first one was a World War II two-prop plane. And, you know, I don't know if anybody helped me with it. It's just you're there with your glue and you haven't used this shit before and it just gets, you know, you got the prop stuck to your finger and you can't get it off to stick it on the, you know, all the stuff. And then, you know, and all the seams are a little bit, maybe they're together, but the glue's squirting out and you're not touching it. And then there's decals at the end and you get the little things of paint. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I uh, uh, and I do remember one I got, it was called a Monza, a car. Yeah. I remember the Monza. It was sold for only a year or two, something like that. I don't know if it came with black and yellow paint or if they even, uh, they probably suggested how you're supposed to paint it and everything. But I just thought that this was the coolest, maybe because I had experience with the airplane that it went together much better this time. Yeah, so now something. you're getting a little bit of confidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, did you guys have uh, Meccano sets? And like there was, um, you know, there was the metal version of a Meccano and then there's the plastic version, you know, yeah. with the building the skyscrapers and you put each beam in. No? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had um, a Cromer had, a Cromer of Duncan had a lot of that Meccano stuff. A lot of fun was had. And that was... That was metal, though, wasn't it? Yeah. With, with screws and With nuts. actual little nuts and bolts and yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, 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 Clockwork motors to run the crane with. You know, yeah, yeah. Turn the clockwork on and it would pull a little chain. That was pretty awesome. And I, I thought even getting into um, electric car racing, right? The tracks yeah. and stuff. How obsessed you get with that. You know, same nine, ten years old. and Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got one for Christmas. Let's go set it up. And, you know, spend hours for the first week. <laughs> so, Nancy, did you work on models at all? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Loved them when I was a kid. I, my first one was a Tiger Moth. Oh, yeah. I built one of those. And then I built the Santa Maria. <laughs> and had to do all the rigging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. I did that too. Oh, that's quite serious, isn't it? Yeah, that was very serious. And yeah. your first experience with glues and stuff like that, were you just like, yeah, this is easy? This is or? so much fun. Oh, yeah. 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 I, just, I was very tactile. I loved to kind of take things apart and put them back together. So the mechanical, metal mechanical set was my favorite because I could build things. Yeah. Loved to build things. Yeah. Paint them. Of course, I was very meticulous because it had to be perfect. That's a problem. But you had to try, and I love the decals. (laughs) My brother made him. My oldest brother, Sam of Balfour. And I was fascinated with his... He had cars, and they were just an absolutely... Do not let me find you touching those, or you're going to need new fingers. Like, it was just... (laughs) And that's fair, really. Yeah, it because is. there's a lot of work that goes into yeah, that. And uh, little hours. brother comes along. <laughs> yeah. So of course they became unbearably fascinating. And then my other elder brother, oh, 
Tim of Durham also had models and it was the same. So did you I, ask for models for, I finally got them, but he built a really cool, uh, B 24. I think it was like a plane mm-hmm. and it had the waste guns and the whole thing. And it was painted. It was really cool. And I, I can't remember what other, but there's a bunch of planes were for me and all that business of the glue. Yeah. I sucked at paint. <laughs> I did. I think the ship I did was the Royal. I think it was called the Royal Oak. It was some big giant ship from about 1650 in England. Yeah, you know, not 32 guns, more than 32 guns, and it had the rigging, and it was a massive pain. Oh, and it, of course, was a big disappointment. You know, you do all the stuff, you do all the painting, and you get all finished, and it doesn't look like the box. (laughs) The box looks like the photograph of a Cecil B. DeMille prop, and yours just looks like like some 11-year-old kid did it. You know, like, jeez. Bunch of models. I I actually just assumed that I was useless at that stuff, and I think what I didn't understand is that um, most people uh, are useless at it, and then that's part of the fun is kind of working past yeah. that all stuff. And I just go, oh, this is so frustrating. Nancy, however, I get the feeling like she was just like an immaculate uh, uh, conception here of of model building. She's like, yeah, I think I'll put you know these like, yeah, masks. I, and, yeah, okay. I still when I color, for example, I love adult coloring books, and I don't mean. Yeah. <laughs> for adults, not adults. Right. Did we right. mention yes. how old we are? Of course we didn't I like that. coloring, but you know. What are you trying to say? I don't get it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm just, you know, for, for the air. Okay. okay. For adults. <laughs> and, but, you know, I have to do it just right. And I blend the colors together. If mm. I'm doing feathers, I have to make them look like feathers and okay. Do colors and hair can't be just one color. It's oh got to have multiple colors. I gotta go back into your and curriculum nice. vitae here and see if artist is on the list. No, it's not. But I work at it twice as hard because I can't draw a straight line. I think it was in kindergarten, and I was just coloring in a book, and I colored the boys' hair green, and got laughed at for that. And I'm going, oh, that's it. I'm done with this. <laughs> you just quit. Stupid. Art is stupid. I don't like people in general. <laughs> And so you just quit. I just quit, yeah. Oh, just, my goodness. People. Well, I, th- I would think that someone would draw use green the f- their first time, and if they got laughed at, they'd, you know, whatever. Yeah, use brown the next On time. On to the maybe. next thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's but, free expression. You should be able to do what you want. You should, yeah. In the Not 1960s? In well, true. Or whatever it was. I, I remember in 65, uh, yeah. when we were in Calgary, I went to this art class, and they gave you this plaque which I think was um, kind of the head of a Virgin Mary. And then you, this <laughs> copper. Bring me the head of the Virgin Mary. It was, it, was, uh, it was probably with the church anyway. This copper, which was fairly thick copper. It wasn't like paper copper. It was fairly thick. And you wrap it over this thing, and they give you this little chopstick, basically, with a point, and you just yeah. outline yeah. The, the raised yeah. thing that's underneath. And, you, and I thought... Like you get the feeling of that, oh, you can do this to copper, even though it's already, everything's already set as to what's, it gives you certain skills, I guess, about, about material and touch and, but I was, uh, I, I just, I just remember that when I was thinking about mm-hmm. odd little things. Yeah, like what, what gets you excited about art or, you know, mm. encourages you to do other stuff. Or why they teach yeah. it to us. I spent a little time with uh, Tom of Trail. 
Who hmm. is, which Tom of Trail are we talking about here? Constable Tom. Constable oh, Constable Tom. Tom. Yeah. This is KJ's brother, Tom. Yeah, so first of all, I, I got a few like kind of jolts of uh, endorphins when people said, the shed dogs, man, you guys are great. <laughs> a few people were... Yeah, and then... <laughs> so Tom says, I love the shed dogs is great. He goes, you're full of shit, though. <laughs> nice. I said, well, about what? And he goes, well, a couple things. And I, so I pushed him some more, and he said, you know, like Christopher Columbus. He wasn't that bad. Oh. <laughs> oh There's Uh-oh. trouble a-brewing. <laughs> so, Rebuttal to Uncle Tom. bringing out the papers. Well, I said, you know, I said, yeah, well, you know, you, I don't really know if you're right or not, but you got to go. He says, I'm going to go find, find some stuff about Christopher Columbus. But uh, what prompted him to say that? They must have heard us say something about bitched for Columbus. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we just, I think I just tossed in something about, well, we were talking about Christopher Columbus's statue getting pulled over. Oh, there oh, you go. And yeah. that was all around the, the Floyd, George Floyd? Yeah. Well, it's in Canada. It's about, you know, anyway, indigenous rights, denialists. I mean, um, I mean, Tom's right in a sense. This is not like cast in stone. So here's the summary part from the Christopher Columbus article in Wikipedia. Um, the final paragraph of the summary says Columbus was widely venerated in the centuries after his death. We certainly all remember that in our childhoods, right? Yeah. Because that we were around in those centuries. Columbus day, October 12th. Of course you know that, right? Okay, Pat. <laughs> it's just like, of course we all know he was venerated. What? I wasn't there. <laughs> but public perception has fractured in recent decades as scholars give greater attention to the harm committed under his governance particularly the near extermination of Hispaniola's indigenous Taino population from mistreatment and European diseases, as well as their enslavement. I thought it was total. I didn't think it was near. I thought it was, they were absolutely erased. Well, I know in Cuba, there is not one indigenous person remaining, but Hispaniola would be the big island that has two countries on it. Haiti. Oh, and what's the other one next good to work. Haiti? Don't know, but that's very good, RJ. Yeah, Because okay. it was Cuba I was thinking of. Now, that's on the he's a bad guy end. The next mm-hmm. sentence says, proponents of the black legend theory of history, and black legend is a, you know, a theorized tendency to mislead against Catholics and Spanish people in general. I guess that's the black legend. Just specifically? To, to minimize their particular contributions. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So, um, anyway, for whatever reason, that's called the black legend theory of history. They claim that Columbus has been unfairly maligned as part of a wider anti-Catholic sentiment. Wow. That's an interesting, I can't imagine what anyone would have against the Catholics. Uh, really, I I mean, (laughs) you know, don't know where it comes from. Just a black legend, I guess. Why would you develop a few hundred graves in random places? Why would you develop a runaway persecution complex as a like really? And and before I go too much further, am I coming down too hard on the Catholics? Oh no, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) We're gonna get an email. All right. No, I mean it's. I think I do find it interesting though that there is a genre of belief called. Black legend. Black legend. There's a whole webpage, Wikipedia article on the black legend. I didn't get to the point. You probably have to get four paragraphs in before what particular legend it was named after. But it's a propensity to kind of lay all these bad things on the Catholics. And I suppose, are there a lot of Catholics in Spain? 
Oh, 100. oh yeah, hugely yeah. Catholic. Yeah, country. and on and and on the Spaniards. Yeah, and yet, are all the other explorers and exploiters getting off scot free? I wonder. Well, I think they have their own legends. Yeah, exactly. But this one's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Is I'm pretty sure all the other early guys are getting dumped on pretty justifiably and thoroughly. So, and I won't bore you with there's you know you get down in the details of you know did Columbus uh, you know encourage be the he you know he gets called the kind of the grandfather of the slave trade, really got it going good, or or is he just being maligned and is it unfair to hold someone of the 15th century to a different standard and I think well I just did a, a research paper and you know like you thinking Christopher Columbus was this great guy and they made songs about him but he went into the Amazon Brazil and pretty much proclaimed it for Portugal but decimated the people the the indios so you had the espanolas but then they had the indios in Brazil and he decided that they needed to be taken care of so um some People would go in there with disease-laden clothing and then give it to the the Indios. So they were basically trying to annihilate the over 2,000 tribes they had at the time that he landed. And by the 2007, I think it was, there's only 67 tribes left. And it all started from Christopher Columbus coming in there and deciding... We don't need these people. And he brought in the Jesuits who also then decided they needed to Europeanize yeah. all of these people and as well. And to save, right, to, to bec- have them become Christians as well. If- right. Yeah. Well, so he wasn't that good. It was quite a shock to just kind of learn that. But w- w- what's, the, what's the slave stuff uh, in reference to Columbus? Because he was free slave stuff, right? Unless you're talking about indigenous slaves. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. I think he just showed up and there's some stories in there about the role of the girls and what they would be used for, which was, you know, rape. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, the uh, the indig- indigenous people had to bring a, uh, every two weeks, was it, they had to come in with a little small thimble of gold. And if they didn't, they'd get their hands cut off. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and then so in the article, there are counterpoints. They're along the lines of, come on, the Jesuits didn't have smallpox. They'd been in France or whatever for a long time, so they had all been exposed and were all immune. This came in through some other venue, or they didn't know, or they bought the, brought the blankets, didn't realize. So, yeah, so... But the Jesuits have a long-standing reputation in Quebec, for example, the Huron Indians, you know, 10,000 wiped out. And there, you know, anything that they write is, or were they successful or not, has nothing to do with whether people died. It's whether they got enough conversions to Christianity. That's their, their uh, metric for success. Yeah, the underlying premise was if you were not Christian, you, you were nothing. Yeah, and, and even if you died early, if you've been converted to Christianity, yeah. that's a favor because that's... Yeah, so it's better to kill someone with disease and convert. give them the last rites of conversion than it is to allow them to live a full natural life. Yeah, it's pretty monstrous, really. Being. And I mean, it's a belief they held and everything. Yeah. Uh, but the whole business of... Oh, you can't hold people accountable. Sure, you can't hold people accountable for values they had then, but you do not have to continue to celebrate their achievements as though nothing they ever did was negative, right? That's the 
that's the central problem, I think. Mm-hmm. I do kind of buy into the theory that, you know, you shouldn't judge people based on the current age, um, kind of judge them based on the age that they're in. But then I think there's a magic line that you have to draw and, you know, killing and rape and all that kind of stuff is on the other side of that line. It doesn't matter if everybody was doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas if people are politically incorrect because in, in the 1950s, then I can understand that a lot better. Yeah. It's a tricky, tricky thing. A lot of slippery well, slope there. I just had uh, somebody say, you know, Johnny McDonald and taking down his statue and stuff like that. And he said, if it wasn't for Johnny McDonald, BC would be a part of the States. Johnny McDonald pushed that railway all the way to the coast. And without him, we would be a part of the States. You, you need to know that and be thankful for that, even though he was a bigoted whatever. I'm not sure what his atrocities were. Well, he's sort of the author of the whole Erasum plan. Yeah, yeah. Or was in charge. Yeah. Hmm. During the time, yeah. So that may be true and everything, but then again, yeah, the, the argument becomes, yeah, if you're indigenous, do you really give a crap whether BC would have been the US or not? Yeah, exactly, really, exactly. You know, like, and and does, does the fact that he managed to keep it from becoming US make the whole enterprise any more valid, really? I, that's kind of the question, I guess. Anyway, had a great, uh, really enjoyed my conversation with Tom of Trail. And, uh, shout out to Tom actually, cause I haven't spent much time with Tom over the years anyway. Cause I would have known him in Ross and I would have been what, two or three years older. Um, PJ, you probably played hockey with him a bit. And so you had kind of some exposure there, but this is my first time that I just sat down and, and that little beach sure is great for just sitting down and talking to people and uh, asked him about his history in the uh, RCMP and what led up to it and what kind of work he did between high school and the RCMP and, Oh my goodness. He's kind of like you in that regard. He has lots of experience building and fixing and fixing pinball machines, pinball machines. My God, what a great way to great thing to start with. And then he was fixing rail cars and, and a lot of stuff before he got involved. And, uh, I think we need to have him in the shed here and ask him for tales from the RCMP that he's allowed to say anyway, he's probably a 50 year, uh, program (laughs) there. When he started, of course, um, pretty well, his first 10, 15 years was uh, Saskatchewan. Different yeah. small communities in Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. And ended up in Airdrie at the end. And But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some stories. Yeah, and I, and I think it's a great perspective, too, because often we're in the camp of, you know, like... Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. What are the police up to? Dirty are rotten coppers. Yeah, are they all just a bunch of control freaks or power grabbers or what? You know, what motivates them to be in the police? All that kind of stuff. I was asking Tom those kind of questions. I think it's good to ask him here in the shed and I'd love and to hear, what he hear to a say. different perspective. I'll just tell one of his choice stories. Uh, you know, as a rookie, uh, you have to do some of the grisly work like that the old cops just don't want to do anymore. And so he had to, when there was a person, I believe, murdered, he had to go into the morgue, lift the sheet up, and apply the, like, do the fingerprinting, because they got to go back. And so he's in there, and his is like, he's barely, like, just a week into the job. He, he lifts the sheet up and all of a sudden, wow, the corpse stands up and starts <laughs> shouting. And uh, apparently that's something they do uh, to the. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. 
I think that's great. Oh, the good old oh, boys. Eh? I don't think that's <laughs> great. I don't think that's great. I just I hate don't know. I guess I'd rather have that happen to me than spend all day long looking for the sky hook. You know, you got to choose between those two. What are you going to choose? Skyhook. Hundred. Skyhook's not. Skyhook's not going to wake me up in the middle of the night. It's just not. Well, there is really? the potential for heart attack. There is well that. PTSD. You know, PTSD. Uh, lifetime <laughs> impact. What? Left-handed wrench. Corpse that springs to life. I don't know. For I'll me, go, not I'll, very cool. I'll go for the quarter-inch putty every time. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, Tom worked in the tank rooms as well, so there's we have that in common too. Yeah. So anyway, it was nice, nice chatting with him. And then just to circle back, it's not uh, rock-solid clear on the Columbus uh, issue. Um, we know where I stand on that, but uh, history kind of gets murky after a while too. Who did what? When? Uh, how many nights were you the lake? Just one night. Uh, no, two nights. Yeah, two nights, and so one full day, and then the next day I hung out on the beach as well, and then I headed into Rosslyn for that evening. So yeah, very good. So this is Christina Lake, listeners, for anybody who's keeping track at home. Yeah, the fabulous uh, Silver Birch. Silver Birch. Warm water. Listen, you guys, on this list. Can't hold on. Hold on. You can't okay. just skip over that. So I've always called Christina the warmest lake in BC. Yeah. Sometimes Canada, but it's really, I think, BC. I don't know. I, I just learned there's an asterisk. Tree line. Yeah. It's the, oh, we, yeah. didn't we discuss this? I think we discussed this on anyway. one of the very earliest Did episodes. Do you think it's even worth saying anymore once you have to say tree line? Like, I mean, trees are, anyway. So, so I take it. Because Okanagan and Skaha would be warmer. Would be warmer. I'm just thinking, we did discuss this on one of the earliest episodes, and I bet you a dollar I know who brought it up too. Yeah, but it wasn't the tree line part. It was. The tree line part was the focus of the conversation. And we had a whole conversation about why does that make a difference? Because they're typically colder. What is that? Because the surrounding hills aren't all just bare rock. Yeah, I must have tuned it out. But it was 79. It was 79.8 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface there, Christina. How deep down though? Six inches. Uh, That's what somebody said. But I never went in. I don't know. I just just didn't have my trunks on and I didn't want to do the thing. (laughs) What a weakling. So Tom didn't take you out in the boat then? He asked if I wanted to go and oh. I, I could have and gone out for a nice little swim. That would have, that would have made sense. Yeah, but swimming I just, in I just, the middle of the lake, there's something different about it. Oh, really? Just jump, really? Jumping off the boat. I don't know what it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Going up to wash your hair. The fear keeps you warm. Fear of what, Skin? The fear that, you know, the boat's going to start up and take off and leave you out there <laughs> treading water two miles oh. from anywhere. When I was a kid, I was just afraid of whatever fishes were down there and sturgeons and, yeah, you know, I just... My yeah. kids are like that too, because I, I talk to them about sturgeon. So Kootenai Lake is where I spent my time. It's a big lake. And back in the day, before they built the dams on the Kootenai River, there was sturgeon in there. And sturgeon, as you may know, don't stop growing. They live no. a long time. They're and huge. They do they're not big, stop yeah. growing. Yeah. But they're bottom feeders, so you're not yeah, going to get them coming I up to the I used to go out and fish you all the time. I can give you the recipe for catching right after. But I used to think about this, you know, like my but not dad. For the listeners, keep it secret. No, no, I could, but my dad worked on the Brilliant Bridge, which is just outside of Castlegar near the confluence of the Columbia and Kootenai Rivers in about 48 or something like that, 47, when he first came out west. And he said they were dynamiting out there to, for the footings for this thing, and they killed a sturgeon 
He said it was six feet long and about 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I used to fish in Kootenai Lake and I used to think, what would I do? <laughs> like, what if yeah. one of those things just came swimming up out of the depths and just rolled over near my little rowboat? Because I used to go out in a, you know, small rowboat. Yeah. And then just went down. I'd probably just pee my pants. It's just huge. Yeah, yeah. So to catch him, because I know you're all dying to go out and try this. First of all, these days you got to have a ticket. They're they're endangered, and you got to they are eh? have a okay. ticket. Yeah, they just got an eight hundred pounder. Oh my god. Yeah. Where was that? Up the Fraser. Up the Fraser. Oh okay. yeah, I saw that. Are they all catch and release? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I was told way back in the day was you take a whole chicken, and you tie it tightly in a plastic bag and leave it in the sun for about a, two weeks. You have to put in big treble hooks on the end of a clothesline inside the chicken and then tie it off really tight and leave it in the sun till it gets really ripe. Then poke just pinhole in it and weight it like hell so that it falls on the bottom. So that pinhole allows scent to escape mm. and the surgeon inhales it. And then you got to get to shore because you're never going to haul the stupid thing into a boat. You have to go to shore to mm -hmm. haul it ashore, right? Yeah. That's what I was One inch about. cable? No, a clothesline. <laughs> like, you know, clothesline cable? Yeah. It's yeah. that yeah. stuff that's got a plastic sheathing on it. It's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. substantial yeah. stuff. And yeah. That's when I, I never tried it. I, but I used to often wonder, what would I do if I saw one of those? You know, because I'd go out in the middle of Lake mainly to just get away from the cabin for a while, have some mm -hmm. peace and quiet. And so you're out there drifting around the middle of the main lake, Kootenai Lake, and thinking, what if one of those things was down there? One yeah. of those big, huge ones. But there's nothing dangerous in freshwater lakes, at least no, in North America. There is not. Nothing to be worried about. Pogo, Pogo. <laughs> well, okay. All right. <laughs> nothing known, proved to document. What about pike and gar if they're different? Those mm. things are pretty aggressive. Yeah. I don't think they... They're going to kill you. They're not going to bite you even, I don't think. But they're really? serious I heard pikes business. are pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty mean. Serious. Hey, when, did the, when were those dams built, Skin? Uh, I think between the wars, but I'm not really sure. Pretty sure between the wars. First, first and second, I guess I should clarify. <laughs> between, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Didn't think of it, eh? It's just how old am I? What war? <laughs> yeah. Because they... they oh, so there would be some landlocked... Yeah, it was all about power for Kaminko, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what they were all about. And, uh, you know, so salmon are now landlocked, right? Yeah. And they're in Kootenai Lake. And that, that all started when they started putting dams on the Kootenai and then later on the Columbia, Columbia River. Yeah. Even. So What's the difference between a salmon and a rainbow trout? Different species of Rainbow fish? trout doesn't go to the ocean. Yeah, and it's not considered in the least a salmon. Sorry, it's not considered what to salmon? A no. trout is never trout a salmon. Trout to trout. Okay, they're just completely salmon. Yeah, you know how salmon change color? They go all orange. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Trout don't cut. do that. Oh, yeah. Trout do none of that. Yeah, the changing of the colors was, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Can we do a segue now, RJ? Are you going to allow that? Let's segue into crystal glass or No, something. I want to okay. segue into the Bezos rocket. KJ? Oh, well, we could do it this way. You want to you want to run this one or shall I just no, ask the no, question? No, no, no. I'm okay. just a Hands up. The question is out there. Along Hands for up. The ride who on loves the <laughs> who loves that a whole bunch of really rich guys launched a rocket and them and some of their friends went up into space. 
So there's an overt effort to hide hands here in the shed. Uh, I'm on that team. Is there anything else we need to add? No, it's pretty awful. Right? Well, no, it's it, it has to do with everything, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to do with, like, pandemic and climate change and wars and well, all this? It has. And it has. I, it's like, what the fuck are we supposed to do about all this shit? In 100 and years. And when you have idiots yeah. spending that kind of money. In 100 years, that will be seen as one of the key steps towards the day we actually ate the rich. It's, I agree with that. It's a lot like the stuff that caused the French Revolution and the use of the guillotine, yep. the Russian Revolution, and a number of others, where the rich guys just become so unbelievably wealthy that they cease to even imagine how to care about anybody else, and they cease to imagine how behaviors like launching a bloody rocket affects millions of people who are just struggling to actually live. They just forget. And it's so garish and opulent that it just pisses people off unbelievably. And they start thinking, you know, maybe voting isn't enough. <laughs> That's really what happens. Yeah, I saw a headline with the word pitchforks in it uh, yeah. within the last week. Yeah, so speaking of politics, Nancy, <laughs> this is a, I, I'm telling you, you guys are going to look back on this little part of this podcast and think, so smooth, like butter, you're going to think. <laughs> that skin. Like a knife through palm oil-free butter. <laughs> That's right. Because the regular stuff, you got to chisel your way through it. Uh, you are active in politics, I believe. And we have a mutual acquaintance in politics now. We do. I'm supportive of my community, I would say. So I have certainly worked on the mayor's campaign for New Westminster to get him elected. And I've always crossed paths with Peter Julian, who is the NDP MP for New Westminster Burnaby. Go Burnaby. Go Burnaby, go New West. And so we become buddies over time. And so the last election, he asked me to run as, a, as his official agent. So that means I manage all the money. And he presented it over a dinner, which was very nice. And then I said, so do I need to know anything specific? And he said, well, if you screw up, you go to jail. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah. come on in. If you take the wrong stuff. This is the mayor you're talking this about. This is oh, the Peter MP, Julian. Peter, oh, Peter Julian. Julian. So you've been doing, you've been acting as his agent now? I did for the last election, and he's asked me to do it for the upcoming election very again. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, so um, I'm a much better positioned and informed person now because it's it's bit nerve-wracking to think that if you screw it up you could well, go to jail or right? somebody will because like he and i would go to jail if yeah. we really screwed it up i think it is at this point you have a really really good understanding of the elections act i'm pretty aware of what's going on and which he really likes because he can just leave that part of it alone i run the office everybody pretty much reports to me they can't spend a dime unless i give the okay and i watch the the pennies a lot because everything is run by donations mm. so if you don't get enough money then you can't run your campaign so you didn't structure it like donald trump's donations where he could just take 90 percent of it and put it into his own private stuff the good thing with canada is that you are limited so we can't take donations from corporations yay 
right? So the maximum that an individual can donate is 1600 a year. So there's a bit of trickiness to find the people that have done piecemeal donations and make sure they don't exceed that 1600 oh, during right. the year. And that 1600 is it per candidate? Good question. I believe it is not, uh, but I'm not sure. That's yeah, a nice you, you couldn't be expected to manage that. But why but would you, you want to support two different candidates? Two, You're yeah. kind of negating your vote. That's no, right. I mean, it, it, it depends on how badly you don't want some other party. Oh, to get if in. you're rich, dude, you might give 1600 to every candidate, hoping that they'll give you some kind of favors back, whoever gets in power. Or you might give it to ev- a candidate for every party that supports values you can live with and not to the one party that does not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And at $1,600, you're not buying a lot of savers. Right. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's been, it's nice to see that he is such a popular MP and he probably will walk away with this election as well. He does a lot of good. He's so approachable and he's just a really smart guy. I really enjoy working for him. I would not throw my hat behind somebody that I didn't believe could make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, of course, behind Jagmeet Singh. And I think that there's definitely in BC a lot of interest in him and what he's doing. So I, I'll stay with it for now. Uh, I have been asked to run for the city, but I'm not interested in that because I can't keep my mouth shut. So it'd be better if I just stay in the background. Well, that's that's I'm going to uh, suggest that's specifically why somebody asked you if you were interested in running is because you cannot keep your mouth shut. Yeah, that's yeah. a desirable trait in a politician, generally speaking. Unless you're a party guy, right? And I think party politics is something that lots and lots of people are pretty fed up with. Yeah, I kind of would go for what I believe in regardless of the party or the candidate. So, yeah, they wouldn't really want me, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But I'm really good behind the scenes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, so I met Peter Julian at Howard of North Vancouver's wedding a couple of years ago, and I didn't. I just met him. He's just some politician guy. I don't know. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, yeah. But I didn't think anything of it in the time at the time until I started seeing more and more of his tweets. And I said, oh, that guy. So, yeah. So, NDP has a big opportunity here. Uh, it would be great to see another minority government. I would like to see... The NDP? Um, <coughs> vote NDP. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I would. I, I, I do think that... Well, they have a strong leader. They have a good yeah. leader, and they have a lot of good people yeah. running. Yeah. I just, for me, I think we've given the other big parties lots of opportunities to disappoint us, and they've come through. They've disappointed us soundly. So now I think we should give somebody different a chance to disappoint us. Let's do that. That's what I really think there. Good, and that ends the political portion of our, uh, <laughs> no, instead, it instead of the usual 68 minutes, we're just doing three. And I think, uh, that's, I think that's as it should be. But that's uh, a pretty cool job. So yeah. so the moment that the writ is dropped. Correct. I know these kind of terms. Right? Yeah, that's. Uh, well, um, then you spring into action? Is well, that I'm right? in action now. Oh, you're in action we now. Have our, okay. I'm just working on the lease for the campaign office. I was just going to say, campaign office lease. Yes, we got to do that, set everything up. And of course, fundraising has started in earnest. And, uh, but yeah, when the writ 
drops. It's pretty much the campaign runs itself through the campaign manager. My work actually starts when the campaign closes. So at 8 p.m. on election day, and all the receipts that's come in. when I start getting busy because now I have to do... Well, my binder that I sent last year to the auditor was about four inches thick. Wow. And you have to do like send in all the original receipts and invoices and check stubs. I actually learned I have to take pictures of the checks I write and send those in. And then there's seven or eight different government forms that you have to fill out and... You have to work on the bank and close the bank down and you have to do it with a letter. I mean, it's just an amazing amount of work. What you use in there, the QuickBooks? No, they have a program called EFR, Electronic Financial Reporting. Right. Okay. It's very robust and it does everything I want it to do um, now that I've learned how to use it because they don't teach you anything. Nobody ever tells you. By they, do you mean Elections Government of Canada? Canada? Yeah. Okay. Elections Canada. Okay. I have to give a shout out to them, honestly, because they are incredibly helpful. Whenever I needed them, I just phoned them and they just walked me through everything. I could not believe how helpful they That's were. That's great, because I was sitting here listening to you talk about that four-inch binder, and I'm thinking, you can just imagine what a cock-up. So many people, like, if it was me, what a gigantic thing that would be. They'd receive a box full of loose paper with an empty binder at the bottom of it. That's what they get most yeah, of the time. And, and you just sort of think, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> My auditor was like, Tell Nancy she should be your OA all the time. My binder went color-coded. <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> I'm nice. kind of anal retentive. So it went color-coded and sorted, and he just said it was a pleasure doing my audit. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that made it that so That must easy. have felt great. Yeah. Jeez, that's cool. But then I realized you also have a time frame, so I think if the election closes, I'm supposed to have everything into Ottawa within two or three months. And I realize I'm not going to be here, so we'll have to figure that one out. Do you get paid for that? Traditionally, no, you don't. But I am paying myself this year. <laughs> no, I made it very clear that I wanted something uh, that I felt uh, 175 hours last election of my time was worth a bit more than a dinner. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of work, and I had to fight with... Shaw, and I'm going to say their name because I can't stand them. They took six months to resolve my outstanding account, and I had to go to the CRTC to get them to do it. Really? Yeah, so I have no love for Shaw. Wow. And it kept me having to continue to do this work. So yeah, yeah. 175 hours f for a dinner just wasn't quite enough. So I came up with a number I thought was fair for this election, and we have agreement that that's what I cool. would get. Cool, cool, cool. And for my time. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so then when do we think, boys, when, and Nancy, when do we think they're going to call an election? I'm going to say my prediction is <clears throat> mid-August for a late September election. KJ? I am KJ. Sorry. <laughs> what do you think, KJ? I'll edit that. <laughs> I'm going to go um, mid-August for a late September election. Is that is there an echo in here? Did, it's, what is, it's what I've heard on the street. Did you guys both just say the same thing? 
They did. We did. Yeah, but I've been uh, I've been hearing in the last uh, thirty seconds or so that that's what's going to happen, and that's the only <laughs> opinion I've heard on it. And so I'm going to go with it. Yeah, and I'll say mid August drop with a late September. Wow! Jeez. Wow! Well, so clearly it is up for me, up to me to really reap the huge betting dollars by betting against the trend. <laughs> I'm going to say she laughs. <laughs> she immediately laughs. Damn it! Uh, I'm going to say mid September for uh, just after Thanksgiving vote. I know they don't want to interfere with Thanksgiving, probably, but. That's what I'm going to say. Mid-September. And why? Just because? you? Yeah, just because. Okay. Because I think they want to have crises like runaway wildfires kind of resolved. I think there's going to be a shift. I and, just, and I don't think, my prediction is, I'll put it on the books here, is that uh, Trudeau is not going to get a majority like he thinks he is. Hmm, interesting. I think there's going to be a surprising shift to the NDP side I of things. Agree. Because he and other NDP are are great campaigners and they have really amazing office agents. <laughs> you combine all that together. It's a juggernaut. Nope. <laughs> well, we, I think we have new West Burnaby wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, when you get, I don't know who it was, if it's the national post or somebody writing editorials about how they're miffed about his TikTok presence. <laughs> when you get that kind of thing happening, somebody's freaked out. And they should be because his TikTok work is awesome. It's really good. I've got uh, two people in three, maybe, in my life who have said no, no, no to the NDP because they just think economic calamity. And yet you look here in BC and there's been no, no economic issues from the NDP government. Like yeah. they haven't been tax and spenders. And yet conservative governments often are tax and spenders. That's always yes, the weirdest yes, thing yes. about it. I just, I, I really do think that uh, economic calamity thing is the oldest trope in the conservative handbook by a freaking mile. They've been saying that for my entire life and I'm ancient. And <laughs> well, it's true. They have been. Like, yeah, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It, no, it does work. I'm just saying that if you actually bent your mind to the task, you could probably understand that in spite of the fact that we haven't had nothing but conservative governments for my entire lifetime, we have not experienced economic calamity when a non-conservative government has come into power. So what about that crystal security glass? What is the deal with that? <laughs> Thanks, RJ, because I was spiraling right around the drain there. It could have all happened. Uh, it chanced that I was at Science World. I haven't been in Science World in a couple decades. What were you doing there? I was there with Haley of Montreal and her entire Montreal contingent while oh, we were here. So it was a you're in town, you got to see the sights. At the absolute apex of the heat wave. <laughs> and I haven't been in Science It was pretty fun. Science World, let me just say, recommend it. I thought it was really fun. And one of the things... You know how you do there, you sort of trail around after the kids that abuse the exhibits mindlessly. They don't bother picking up any of the science that the exhibits are all about. <laughs> Just doing that. And there was a window looking out onto False Creek. And, you know, I'm looking out the window waiting for the kids to finish doing whatever they're doing. Kid, uh, singular, really. And there's a switch on the wall. And so... Of course, because I'm a responsible adult, I just switched it. Like, <laughs> why not? Yeah. 
And the window just went opaque. Just completely couldn't see anything. And I switched it back and it was see-through again. And some woman with a little tiny kid in a stroller, I said something out loud like, holy Dinah, did you see this? And she said, yeah, it's that quartz glass. I said, what? So it's, I guess this glass has a layer of liquid quartz crystals in it. Oh. And when you apply a current, they line up so that they become, the glass is transparent. And when you don't have a current applied to it, they just go all rando and you can't see through them. And this informed, I saw a thing on Twitter months and months ago about uh, public washrooms in Tokyo were now being made like this. Oh. And they had a picture of one. It was two floors and you could see you know, there's the sink, there's the toilet, there's the sink there. You could see right into them. And I thought, who in their right mind is going to go use that toilet? <laughs> Who's going to do that? Well, it's because the walls of those public toilets are equipped with this quartz glass. When you open the door, the power is either applied or cut off and they become opaque and you have your privacy. And if you're walking by in the street, you can see whether there's an available bathroom by just looking. I just... So I just thought, and apparently this same woman with a little kid in a stroller was said, uh, I don't know, she must have seen a placard or she was very well informed. Anyways, grateful for that. She said, yeah, it's used in lots of houses that have sort of open plan type approaches. And if you want privacy for that room at, say, nighttime, you just flick the switch. And now you can't see offices into that would room. would use it too, between yeah. offices. But except the toilet thing, except for a power outage. I was just thinking that. It would be my <laughs> There you <lot>. are, <laughs> caught with your pants down. Holy Dinah. That's pretty hate to rain on that comment, but you, when you do the power, that's when it goes clear, correct? I don't know which way it is. Because honestly. that's the way you said it. Yeah. Oh, I, I did say that, but I'll confess to have made up. Okay, okay. That. But it was so cool. I just thought, oh, this, I'd love to is have that. Is that something you do often, Pat, is just kind of flick switches you see anyway? Yeah, it didn't even have a label like flick me. Yeah. It's like private for our use only. I can't remember what. <laughs> exactly. It was yeah. just there and I was a little bit bored. And it didn't say not to. <laughs> it didn't say not to. Yeah. It didn't say don't touch. Yeah. didn't say all you elder children, leave this alone. Let's do car shopping. Take it away, RJ. All right. So just to try and be quick about this. But just lead with, lead with the exciting. thing on there because I'm dying to hear it. So Griffin of Burnaby is... Uh, son. Yeah, it's our son. Yeah. He, he works at a tech firm. So five days a week, nine to five kind of job. And he has been just enjoying this pandemic because he works out of home. So instead of two hours of transit there and back down in Richmond and back and it's just not a straightforward route just turns out um, he's been working out of home and then turns out in September that he needs to uh, he's going to be asked to work three days a week in the office mm. they're going to try and you know phase people in it wouldn't surprise me if it's going to be five days who knows anyway so he's going yeah I want a car so he's got a condo he's got a parking spot it's all ready to go He's only ever driven one car in his life and that's the one he wants. He doesn't want to have to buy a new car and, <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, pay for a new car for that matter. So he knows there's a known quantity. It's a 2005 Corolla. I love it's kid. reliable. We just did the clutch on it. Nothing wrong with it really. And he can get it for very cheap because we all, we don't quite give it away, but we give him a very, very nice 
price. And if it works out the way it did with Hannah, you know, the, we sold her the Camry, 2002 Camry, same idea, right? And I kind of, there's a verbal warranty there. And naturally right away, I replaced the clutch for her and this happened, that happened. There's some water in the roof because defective anyway. So this will probably happen with the Corolla as well. So it's all good. So then that means that Sue needs a new car. Now, now Sue's, um, uh, our age, a couple of years younger and, uh, uh, she's always wanted kind of a sporty car at some point and she's not sure how much longer she's going to drive anyway. She's not, not sure. She might only drive for five or 10 more years. So anyway, so we want electric or we want plug-in hybrid cause, and it's got to be kind of sporty. So we've been out shopping for a new car. It's a new car. That's what I was waiting for you to it's say. Very exciting. Very exciting. So, yeah, so we were looking at all the kind of like plug-in hybrids. There's not a lot to choose from. And, you know, even the full electric vehicles, I think a lot of those companies like to say they have cars, but I still don't feel like they're selling that many except for Tesla. Like you do see Teslas everywhere you look, but you're starting to see Nissan Leaf drive by and a Kia Nero here and there and... So anyway, uh, we, uh, we've been looking and the one that really appeals to her and I hope, I sure hope we get it. It's not a done deal yet, but is the, uh, mini Cooper EV, a full hundred percent electric mini Cooper. So we went and test drove one of those and it was a blast. <laughs> They're like, you know, 181 horsepower for this tiny little car and you know, it's electric. So you put the gas pedal down. Of course I floored it. That's I've hundred. If I ever, ever get to drive anybody's EV, fair warning to listeners and everyone in the room, first thing I'm going to do is floor it. You're going to have to floor it. Just going to gun it. And it kind of yeah. pins you back. You yeah. know, it's not a dual motor Tesla Model S, but it's fun <laughs> and comfortable. And it the has wires, all the features. Did the wheels squeal? No, they do not squeal. And actually one reviewer didn't like that. One reviewer was disappointed. They wanted to be able to spin the tires, but it's, you know, modern electronics. They, they will not let you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's perfect. It's the reverse of ABS sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got all the safety features and it's got CarPlay, which is important. And, uh, and how yeah. far do they go on a Well, that's, a, that's an excellent question. You know, there always has to be a downside to everything, <laughs> doesn't there? And I, I, so not far. And okay. <laughs> very not far. Really? Yeah. So, so 176 kilometers is their projected uh, that's range. That's not too bad. I mean, it means you can use it for any full day of running around town. No problem. That is a hundred percent it. Like yeah. that is, if you look at Sue's driving of the Corolla since yeah. 2005, there's gotta, we must've done a road trip on it once, but I cannot remember it. Yeah. And so her typical trips are, you know, 20, 30, 40 kilometers. How That's fast it. to uh, charge yeah. up the nice 176? One. Yeah. So if you have a wall charger and they'll give you a free charger, but you still have to hire an electrician to come in and put in 220 volt and you'll get a rebate off that as well. By the way, the rebate off the car is 8,000. And this is the cheapest EV available and you still get the full 8,000. So that in itself is remarkable. Plus you're going to get a little rebate off the electrical work required. If you don't do 220 volt, you can still charge with 110. And you know, the longest day of driving she'll have is 30, 40 kilometers, maybe 50 at most. And so you can pretty well charge that overnight in 110. 
but we would actually do the 220s. We'd do dual 220s in our garage because it's the hard part is feeding the cable from the switch box, right? Like this, you have to, you can't just yeah. piggyback off the dryer. Yeah. You have to have brand new lines from the switch box. So to feed two lines through is pretty well the same price as to feed one line. So, so anyway, we're going to do do dual 220 so that garage if somebody else buys the house they've got they're all set up nice. and if i get an ev at some point i'm set up nice we'll just get it all done 100 percent in favor of that decision because of a guy who did a reno last year required by the city to put in a plug that's excellent and i, I thought so, so that's too. now mandatory for yeah. anytime you renovate a garage well this is um th- this plug is out outdoors where yeah yeah but the the it's it it was quite expensive though it was uh how much was the electrical work uh i i don't know but it it almost looked like a whole new separate pole and Mm. meter outside with a new line everything's underground because they i guess they kind of basically had to upgrade to their house and he says, see those lines up there? He says, the, those don't even, they're not even connected anymore. Everything's underground in big honking. Oh, right, right, right. Conduit. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Uh, we Hopefully we're okay on our block because everything's above ground still on our block, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I got to assume that, um, well, I don't know. Burnaby would be different than Vancouver, maybe? Yeah, so we were talking about that today, you know, and so we went and looked at a Chevy Bolt today because they're quite nice cars as well. They used to get pretty good write-ups. And all these electric cars are very low maintenance costs because when you think about it, almost everything you maintain in a car is related to the engine in some way. The brakes don't really need much work because almost all your braking is regenerating. Instead of using brake pads, you're using coils and magnets. What's the what was the price of the Mini Cooper? So the Mini Cooper, I think, is somewhere around. I think it's like forty three or forty, mm-hmm. and then you got to add tax, but you're going to subtract eight thousand after tax. So and it is expensive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. electric cars are, and there's no also no doubt about it that right after she buys it, a year later there will be a sudden breakthrough in batteries. You know, because I think within the next, at least within the next five years, these electrics are going to just be so cheap after a while that they're the same price. Yeah, but what is the cost to run it though? Like cost, um, mile per dollar. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done the math, but they're typically, uh, more expensive than you'd think. If you're paying for your charging, you know, occasionally you're going to go to a mall or something, just plug in it for free. Right. But, but if you're paying your own electrical rates or you're out on the road and they charge you to, I think it's maybe one quarter the cost of gas. Oh, oh. We have a guy in our building who charges, um, with the little adapter to the 110. Okay. And the difference in uh, the hydro was less than $3 a month. Yeah. I've, okay, so it's maybe so it's more than less a lot, lot less <laughs> than I was thinking. Yeah, of. I've heard I've seen uh posts where guys are doing a full charge every night like they're driving a lot and it's costing 20 bucks a month in in hydro. Okay. Don't you think running a 220 volt all night 
Like actually, if she had the two twenty, she could charge that thing. I think it's two hours. Yeah, and it doesn't draw after it's finished charging. I'm sure the electronics yeah. don't just keep yeah. sucking. So I know? guess it, I guess it's a lot less than I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Just, but if you have a bolt which can go like four hundred twenty kilometers, that one's probably more like an all night charge at two twenty. Yeah, and I, I think, but the that's thing, only after you've driven. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't think you would want to be plugging this thing in every night because the batteries need to be. Just like the battery in the yeah. phone, you want to exhaust it before you charge it. They have to have, you can't just keep taking a little bit out and then putting it back in because it screws up the battery afterwards. It's the same, mm-hmm. in a, same in a 12 volt system in a car. If all you ever do is just draw off the top little bit of that battery and you don't go for a long time, drive for a long time ever, it's not that good right. for the battery. So we've been talking through all this stuff. We, we went and looked at the bolt and you know we drove up behind it and we're going, oh man, that thing's wide. Well, it's not really, but if you look at a 2005 Corolla from behind, you're going to go, oh, that thing's narrow. Yeah. So she has a really nice narrow car. We both back into the garage and it's still a little bit, you got to, am I a little bit too close or whatever? So she's a little bit worried about how wide the car is. And even a Mini Cooper's about uh, one and a half centimeters wider on either side than her current car, maybe two. So... So, but she's okay with that. And then two slices of spam. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a couple slices of spam and a half. (laughs) Is the Volt about the same price? Yes. In fact, in 2022, they came down $6,000. So this whole progression is already underway of the cars getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Um, But anyway, it's too big for her. Like uh, we were polite and stuck around and listened to fun stories from the sales guy about... uh, what happens when you're down to eight kilometers remaining and you're on the freeway. But anyway, um, but then at the end she's going, Nope. Yeah. That's too big. That's like a SUV crossover SUV size thing. Does it, do you know whether the, uh, the Cooper has, so what I got told by a guy that I ride with that has a Tesla is one of the things he loves best is the anti-anxiety software. Hmm. So like you go to take your Tesla on a road trip, you just tell it, I want to go to Kamloops and it'll say, well, okay, right now you've got X percent on your battery. There's a charge station here, here, and here. You're going to have to stop at one of them, presumably that one. It's going to take you X minutes or hours to charge based on where you're at and so on. It just lays out the whole trip for you. Yeah. They call that range anxiety. Yeah. And I wonder if that it does yeah cool so it has if you don't want to use carplay or maybe while you know how you can switch in and out of carplay yeah so you just switch over and it's got the map yeah and it shows you where all the charging stations also it it actually informs that too yeah and i i suspect it would also tell you um are you good to go but you know when you're looking at 176 kilometers yeah if you're gonna go up to Whistler, you're going to need to charge while you're up there. Yeah, it's probably, you're right. I forgot about that. It's not going to be an issue. We're not going to do a bunch. Yeah, forgot about Um, that. No, it might be an issue because the thing's so darn fun. So we might actually go, let's go up to Squamish and and a quick charge in that thing is 30 minutes and you got 80%. So we would go up to Squamish. We'd be aware of where the plug-ins are and uh, that would be part of it. You just park it, go for a quick lunch, come back, pick it up. Well, have deep envy because I just can't. I, I rent and I park in the street. So I until that changes, I'm not going to be able to ever have an EV. Encourage him to renovate his garage. <laughs> yeah, and then I can move to Chilliwack after he kicks me out. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That, that's really cool. Anyway, so we. I hope that all, all works out. Hey, do you know on the rebates, like, so I looked at rebates for e-bikes a while back just for kicks. 
and they they provide they they budget a lump sum and then they just it gets used up right and when it's used up it's they done turn for off that the year rebates. might they might do that here too. and i wonder because for the e-bikes it was gone in about two months after the fiscal oh, year starts oh. right and i wondered about the car one whether it's deeper yeah, anybody, i don't know anything. what are we midway through the year here so yeah at least four that months into it even makes sense to me it doesn't make sense. Well, no. no, it does to me because you means that you regulate the amount that your rebate will be taken advantage well, of. Well, I guess, I guess with e-bikes, it's hard to predict how many people are going to buy them because it's a brand new thing that there's a lot of demand for now. But with cars, I think maybe they're, it's more predictable. They've been, EVs have been on sale for a while. So maybe, maybe they, they find it easy to budget. Yeah. Or maybe they budget way more because it's a bigger bake benefit but the provincial ones three thousand dollars once per lifetime ah as if they won't come up with new schemes later but let's just pretend that it's you know fixed now for the next 50 years um the federal one is once per car so you know that's kind of cool but federal one's five of the eight yeah but these things will change over time anyway it's there's so much going on in this regard that i can't see the rebates staying the same for longer than a year or two at a time yeah, no, I can't either. Plus, the cars will come down in price too. Really, a lot. So yeah, but Sue needs a car. Damn it! Daddy convertible. Needs a new pair of shoes. No, not a convertible. In fact, it's only uh, two, two doors, and then they call it a three door because the. But it's really just a hatchback. Oh, it doesn't have that. The like the panel doors like he has. No, it doesn't sideways have sideways ones. It doesn't have that. No. And, but you know, you, when you open it up and put the thing down, put the back seats down, cause Sue almost never has anybody in the back seats. Next thing you know, you could toss a sh- chair in there and this, this and that. So bike. it's a bike. <laughs> case. Yeah. God. A, yeah. A bike. Someone said, yeah, you just flip the uh, front seat forward and you can just put your bike in there. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Just take the, like I was talking to Nancy. I was telling Nancy, I also have, I have pretty much universal in fact, vehicle envy because she has that RAV4 out there and she said like to have a RAV4 <laughs> because you can put the seat down, take the front wheel off the bike, stick it in there standing up if you've got a little jig, you know, a flat plate with two things to attach the forks to. It's just, I'd love to have that. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, you've got a new car as well, right? It's a 2015, but I brought it, bought it new and it's a RAV4. Yeah, I've got Six years. A hundred thousand clicks on it already because right. I drive a lot and I've done a few road trips, but it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. That's average mileage, like 20,000 20, well, clicks a don't year. Don't forget, is we didn't much. go anywhere during 2020. Yeah, right. Still, right. So before then, um, I was still close to a hundred thousand clicks because I've been all over the Pacific Northwest and down to California and back a couple of times and cool. Oregon State. It's great. So you guys just, you know, we made those bets about the election earlier. I didn't, I failed to mention that you're going to have to figure out what to do with a 2008 Suzuki SX4 because that's what I bet. Right, right. And I think probably it looks like I'm going to lose that bet. So good luck with that. You'll enjoy it. I thought if we win the bet, you... Keep the car? Keep the car. (laughs) No, sir. Yeah. No, sir. Anyway, we should probably do our uh, oh, wrap. Oh, uh, intros and outros. We got. You've done one intro. Yeah, I need yep. one intro and two outros.
This is the fun part, Nancy. Oh, just, yeah. This is the hard part. This is where he thinks off the top of his head. The tension, though, the tension and the looks. The looks. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like I can see those on when I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you've, you've heard the episodes where it just suddenly stops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you mean? Are you saying the, the, the finishing segues are a little abrupt? Is that what yeah, you're really yeah. saying? Yeah. Oh. From whatever topic. And furthermore, I was thinking, well, that's all we got today. <laughs> Holy Dinah. Well, we've come to the end of another episode, and I'm sitting here absorbing the slings and arrows of Rich's outrageous opinions about how badly I've transitioned these episodes to end. So this one, as you will notice, certainly is like butter. It's been our great pleasure to have Nancy of New West in the shed with us here again for this episode. Organic butter. Organic butter, not the kind with palm oil. That expression... Stuff never melts. You're just going to have to factor that into your use of that expression every time. If anybody in the room looks like they're going to challenge you, just say, without palm oil. Yeah. Anyway, Nancy, it's really been a pleasure to have you here for both these episodes. I hope we can get you back one of these days. I would love to come back. Good, good. I am sure we're going to get email from, you know, from at least one person. It's just been great. Thanks so much for coming. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's just been a real pleasure to be here and be a part of this. And I look forward to continuing with you guys. Good, good. good. It's been really fun, actually. Learn a whole bunch about the stuff that you're doing. You have an interesting and varied life. Me too. And I love it. Not just the ghosts. Yeah, I might be I might be experiencing life envy now too. It's, it's grown from <laughs> Dealing with envy. auditors. That, that's <laughs> be still my heart. Comedy, acting, Comedy, and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, and officiating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it, boys. Say goodbye. Everybody say goodbye. See Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. You've done two intros so far. No. The I've first and the last. One intro and one outro, like that. Think of you, this as the line of everything. So now I have to do. <laughs> so you have to do outro. two more outros then. And an intro. Okay. I have to do six more. <laughs> <laughs> so are we done? Is that two outros? Yes, Kenny, you did well. And that's, we're done, right? I really don't know. (laughs) You lost, Richard. I don't understand what's happening here. Do you want to hear a really fun thing? I don't know if you'll find it fun or not. So Mike of Rossland, Rich's brother, Mike of Rossland. So so a couple episodes ago, I talked about this Musty One videos, a guy on YouTube that just fixes lawnmowers and stuff, and I find it fascinating. (laughs) And Rich, in our recent one that you haven't heard yet, he labeled those kind of videos uh, competence porn, which is very fun. Like the guy fixes lawnmowers and he does just, and small machines of all sorts. And just the way he does it is educational and really fun to watch. Just watch him do it. Sounds kind of like Bob Ross videos. It's kind of the same sort of thing, only it's mechanics. I mentioned there's one, uh, I can't remember what name, Li Zi or something. She's this Chinese woman who lives on a big farm in China. And all she does is uh, rustic skill type videos I'm going to take these fruits, I'm going to render them down into this, I'm going to glaze them like that, and then I'm going to make them into seasonal ornaments. 
you know, and she shows you all this stuff that she does and how, and she does it all with just hand labor kind of thing. Competence porn. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I was looking at that Japanese chef doing two cloves of garlic. Yeah. You know, just like super thin slices yeah. and you watch for like three minutes while he's doing Yeah, it's it, all that. Stacking them up. It's a up. whole school. So yeah. Mike of Rossland sent just me, I believe, uh, email the other day. He said, sorry, I got to ruin several days of your life with this. These guys are just amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's a link to these two English guys and their, their company is called Bad Obsession. And they're taking a 1980 Mini Cooper thousand cc engine austin mini yeah and they're they're in the process of sticking the uh i can't remember how many liter supercharged two and a half liter motor from a toyota celica all-wheel drive <laughs> all the drivetrain all the wheels the suspension and all of it into this mini cooper and these guys are just unbelievable they got a whole bunch of cornball humor so okay fine that's whatever but when we took shop in high school, I don't know if you got to take shop or not, but nope. they had a bender, a thing to bend plate metal. And Jack Hook was always pretty particular about it because, you know, you, did, you could screw it up pretty easily. And these, this guy, he's fabricating all of these sheet metal parts to replace the floor in this car, to make space for these new components, to shore up. Like, I think at this point they're down to the roof of the original car is still there and some of the posts coming down from the roof and all the rest of it is pretty much just been replaced. God, it's unbelievable. I'm in seven episodes into, I think there's like 35 of them or something. Yeah, I mean, I had a great visit with uh, Mike and Joanna Rosslin there. And yeah, he was he was starting to tell me about that. And I think my eyes must have glazed over. And he goes, <laughs> you know, he just goes over, okay, I'm going to tell PJ about this hill like that. It's just yeah. terrific though. It's really, yeah. oh my goodness. They, they It's just how they do it how you even imagine stuff like they're so okay we have to build this panel how do you imagine that and there's a whole whack of really high-end technical competence involved as well like measuring and getting things level and square and well oh my goodness okay so well we'll put a link to that in as well well we don't have to because this may never make it to oh you. yes it will We'll put a link to that in then, and you can all get on board Absolutely. and imagine yourself wasting as much time as Mike of Rosslyn and I have wasted with it. <laughs> it's pretty fun. That was great, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, Thank that was really so great, much. Nancy. I love it. Really great. I, I, it was a lot of fun. That was as much fun as I was thinking it might be. Thank you.